Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this weekend. Thank you for this morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time anyone is listening to this here or in the podcast. I thank you for journey through first corinthians i thank you for all the lessons learned i thank you for your spirit that guided us in truth and in clarity through those chapters and i thank you for a new epistle a new book and i just pray that even as we start today that our hearts are ready i pray that our minds are alert i pray that we learn um, through this book i pray for clarity i pray that the truth of your word rings true in our hearts and we're able to apply it to what it means to be believers even in today's world in jesus name amen 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 hi everyone <laughs> glad to hear that way thank you for joining um so yes we are officially starting a new book the last time we did this was march <laughs> so it's been a while um some people have not uh some people here in our midst have not known any other book but first corinthians so today we show them that there's more to life than first corinthians <laughs> it's good to see you hi delight hi daisy um welcome hi yusuf once again so today we're starting <laughs> awesome Today we're starting First Thessalonians, and some of you might be wondering why not Second Corinthians. I don't have an answer. I just felt um, prayerfully and just preparing. I'm like, okay, let's do First Thessalonians. We will still get to Second Corinthians, don't worry. But uh, I feel like this is a good next step. I don't know why. I just feel it's a good next step. <laughs> um, and First Thessalonians, as usual, we're starting a new episode. Uh, Romans, ah, woman of God, let's be calming down. Romans will come. When Romans come, I just hope you are ready for Romans, as Romans is ready for you. <laughs> but um, um, where am I? Yes, as we do with every new episode today, what we are, everybody's waiting for Romans. No, uh, I hope when we are starting to do five hours every Saturday, people will be here. <laughs> All right, hi, Ife. It's good to see. I see the thumbs up. I like that. No, I like, we'll be here together from nine till at five hours or four hours. Maybe I'll just do four hours. Nine to one. We'll be on a Saturday. <laughs> um <laughs> all right. So as 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 our custom is, um we we're gonna start every episode, like I said from the very first teaching last year, that uh I like the energy. I like the energy in the chat. Keep it up. I like that. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, we're studying the episodes, especially in the first episode. And if you haven't listened to that, uh, you can find it on Journey Through the Episodes with Daniel Papala on anywhere you listen to podcasts. But I said that one of the reasons or the major reason why studying the epistles especially as we currently do in a verse-to-verse manner or really trying to get out of the text what was being communicated is because more than and i've said this many times more than any other portion of the bible we closely identify with the audience of the epistles i said as a general rule of bible study that the bible was not necessarily written to you what do I mean by that? You aren't the primary audience, right? 
it's written to you in the sense in which the lessons from the communication between the author and the primary audience can apply to your life today because you share common beliefs but you weren't the primary audience and so as a result when it comes to bible study what you are simply trying to do is find out what several thousand years ago some author inspired by the spirit of god is trying to tell his audience we saw that a lot in first corinthians how time and time again you were not the audience you were not the people of corinth however there are lessons from their interactions that apply to our lives today the same goes for the old testament but in the new testament these are people the audience is usually believers who are gathered together as a church and that is literally what defines us today people who have seen the accomplishment of Christ's sacrifice. They've seen the death, the burial, the resurrection. They are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. No other audience in the Bible can say that. And so more than any audience, whether it's the people of Israel or, or, or all of that, we resonate more with the epistles. That was one of the things I said, why this is so important. Also because what we see in the epistles is an explanation or an unpacking of many of the same truths we see in the Old Testament. Maybe one day, if God qualifies me, I will do a journey through some of the Old Testament books. Maybe. I didn't say we are. Don't hold me to it. Maybe one day. Um, but you're going to start to see soon enough, especially if you are taught well, that the lessons from the Old Testament are going to be exactly the same. Like literally every lesson in the Old Testament, you should be able to point to series of verses or teachings in the new testament emphasizing the same thing and it's when you get to that point you can say oh i'm a good student of the word but this is a good start because like we said in the very first teaching the the, the new testament is simply an explanation think about it like this people have believed the gospel they are being taught every sunday and i said and i told you when you think about what the early church was being taught there was no epistle the elders will literally read verses and, and stuff from the Old Testament and explain it in the light of Christ. And so we are privileged, and I'm going to talk about that today, how we're privileged to have some of these epistles because they give us an insight into some of the things that the apostles would have taught, some of the things that the early church would have heard whenever they gathered, right? We have that written testimonial that, oh, this is what it meant to be a Christian 2,000 years ago, since Jesus is the same, Hebrews 13 verse 8, that means this is the same thing that it means to be a Christian today. So by studying their interactions, we have insights into life in the Spirit. We have insights into what it means to be a believer today. And that's why the epistles are so important. That's why they are so important. Um, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians is not any different. And like we always would start, we'll do a lot of contextual analysis. What was going on? When was it written? Why was it written? To whom was it written? Who wrote it? What are the things to pick out as I start this book? And I've always recommended, right? Never start a book of the Bible without doing this first. Before you ever start verse one as a diligent bible student of the word of god unless you know it already and even then it helps to remind yourself before you start verse one of probably any book but especially um historical narrative books epistles as well 
do your best to gather as much historical cultural and situational context as possible it's the same way if 2000 years later if someone is reading my chat let's say with mommy ann they will not they need to know that mommy ann is my guy in the lord <laughs> and that she's speaking to me as that and so when she said daniel i have assignment for you they need to know what that means if not they're like ah is mommy ann a teacher is mommy, they will not know that mommy ann is simply my yoga <laughs> right you need that context or but sometimes you i don't know if you i i read once that there was this ancient letter from i can't remember somewhere in europe and the context was oh she was writing to her lover and that is the context that then helps you understand oh this is what she means when she says this and she loves the person she's writing sometimes it helps to say oh these people were fighting so that means uh so for instance if they say oh these two people they love each other and or something i say ah i'll fight you or oh you are not serious you say oh they are just teasing right because the context is they are speaking out of uh out of let's say love but if there are people that are fighting as someone says oh you are not serious i will fight you it's not a joke oh, they will actually fight you <laughs> so all of a sudden you can see how just context can change the exact same thing context can change the exact same thing and so it helps to know what's going on even in things like emphasis, for instance, when we get to the ministry books in um, Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, which is soon, I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but maybe. Uh, you need to know, okay, this is who Timothy is to Paul. This is what Paul and um, Timothy has been asked to do. Paul didn't just wake up one day and say, ah, I feel like writing to my boy Timothy. Let's start. Dear Timothy, no. There's a reason, there's a work Timothy was assigned to do. There are things that characterize the, the, the difficulty of that work. He's sent to Ephesus, there are false teachers everywhere. He's the young guy. What should a young guy send to confront false teachings and false doctrines in a church that he necessarily didn't start? What should he know? Things like that help to make verses become more meaningful because they add context to it. Amen. And so that's what we're about to do now. So at this point, it's a good time to get your Bibles, writing materials, notepads. If you have a book for every book of the Bible, that's fine. Tear a new sheet of paper. We're starting a new book. <laughs> All right. So first Thessalonians, what are the things to know? What are the things to know? The very first one is what I've always recommended. I think I talked about in the very first teaching, if possible, go to the book of acts where the interaction first happened it's always a beautiful start and in the book okay should i do assignment who knows where in acts the whole journey to thessalonians um to the thessalonian church or thessalonica as a city or thessalonica whichever one uh who knows where it started <laughs> let's see uh, i would should i i would i won't let this last long i'll just share i mean i don't know where he first started though yeah. but i know that the outcome wasn't so good <laughs> that's good that's <laughs> that's good to know you're, you're absolutely right it's actually started from act 16 act 16 so right now get your bibles sorry let's turn your bibles rather to act 16 we're going to do a bit of acts uh we'll talk a bit about a few things just to help us get our minds ready for what this book has for us so act 16 i would Kind of jump through speed through a couple texts so you need to follow with me um from verse one to five we see paul getting to derb and lystra 
finding Timothy and there he, he calls Timothy and says, come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's not what he said. But that's essentially what happened. Um, and then from verse 6, right? It says, as, we, as they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, Acts 16, verse 6, it said they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to speak the word in Asia. They came to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of God again said, no, do not go. And I've talked about this a lot, especially at the start of epistles, right? How that even in doing the will of God, it's so important to know the how and the when. A lot of people get instructions and in, I don't want to call it careless zeal, but in in so much I don't know i don't know the word yes zeal probably they just run they just run and we forget that there is a how there's a how to do the will of god there is a when to do the will of god and of course i i celebrate as believers our disposition should be to go most times it would be that oh god has said go and then through wisdom and restraint he says okay not yet go like this there's a traffic on this road. Take the other side. All right. Um, it's the same thing. I mean, Paul had already received a mandate. Go into the Gentile world and preach the gospel. And he was doing that. And God said, don't go to Asia. Say, ah, okay, Lord. You were about to go again. And he said, what? Don't go to Messia. That means that even in carrying out the will of God, Paul had a disposition where every step of the way he was still conscious he didn't just receive instruction i just i will fly <laughs> at every step of the way he was he had a hard posture that god could speak to him even in executing his assignment that god would say oh no calm down calm down don't go here go here it's the same thing in our lives if god's i mean even in 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 paul's life as a whole right from conversion i've talked about this many times God had already told him, if I God told Ananias, I have made him my vessel unto kings, unto Jews, unto the Gentiles, unto the, like, he's going to do ministry and he will do it well. And yes, Paul did start, right? He started as a teacher in Antioch. He was doing ministry in the church at Antioch. This is one that God had called from conversion and probably in his foreknowledge before conversion to stick the gospel to the whole world. And we don't see until Acts 13, I believe, when on a day, maybe they had public holiday on Monday, and they say, ah, guys, let's do deeper. <laughs> let's just pray Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It says the teachers and the prophets in Antioch were just fasting and praying and ministering to the Lord. They were just having a good time. And it was then that God now said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas. This is one that had been separated from conversion. But there was a timing. There was a when. And at that moment, they, they prayed again, they laid hands, and they sent them on their way. It's the same thing here. God had sent Paul to the Gentiles, but at that point said, no, don't go here. Go here instead. And this is just for, since we're all called to ministry, I want you to keep that even in the leading of God. Be very intentional to have a heart posture that as you're running with uh as you're running with prophecy as you are running with divine instructions be very discerning of the how and the when amen all right so he said god said no twice and then he said 
a vision appeared to Paul in verse 9. Acts 16 verse 9. A man of Macedonia was standing there and he was urging, come to Macedonia to help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called them, called them to preach the gospel to the people of Macedonia. Right? So that's that's it twice. And then in and I, I say it all the time that if Paul went to me um to Mysia or to, to Asia or to Bithynia, would people have been saved? Of course. Would there have been demonstrations of the spirit and power? And by power, I mean miraculous power. Of course. Would it look like to the outside world that, ah, Paul, a man sent from God? Most likely. But would that be God's intention at that point in time? No. Think about that. No. A lot of good things would probably have happened. Probably. Right? I mean, wherever the gospel is preached, whether in the will of God or without the will, even if the devil should preach the gospel, people will be saved if the Holy Spirit uses that message and convicts their hearts and they apply faith to that message. People will be saved. And from the outside world, nobody might be able to say, Paul, unless by the Spirit. Ah, Paul, God did not send you here. Now, I thought he sent it to the Macedonians. But when Paul stands before God, God will be like, you did well, oh, but... You didn't listen all the way. You didn't listen all the way. Again, just buttressing my point. That at the end of the day, we are ministers. Ministers literally diaconous, servants of the gospel. Servants of the gospel. is the language of, of, a, of a waiter. You take food from the chef and you give it to the guy that ordered. If you get someone's food and take it to the wrong person, they will be filled up. But it wasn't necessarily what the chef or the person intended. It's the same thing with God. He is the one that called us. He is the one to whom we give account. He is the one to whom we serve. And he's the one that guides our efforts in ministry. Always remember that. We will give account to God. It might look good because men cannot see what God has told you to do. But build that kind of confidence where... You're just fine in the will of God. You're like, God is the one that sent me. This is what he has asked me to do. And I'm just fine doing what he has asked me to do. Amen. Very important. Very, very important. Like, are we doing journey through Acts, Daniel? What, what is going on? Just bear with me. Just bear with me. Hi, Delight. Hi, Ife. Hi, Baby. Hi, Amara. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, we're, we've not started this one. Don't worry. You are. You have actually missed, but you're welcome. <laughs> um, and so they went on, they went on to Macedonia. Now you'll be like, oh, God said don't go to Bithynia, God said don't go to Asia, go to Macedonia. And your mind will be like, ah, they are in the will of God. Maybe someone was going to kill them, and God has saved them from death. Now God has told them where to do ministry. It's going to be incredible. The land is open. The nations are taken. <laughs> no, that is not what happened. Like Tokwe said, and we're going to see what happens now. And it's very interesting, and I've talked about it. I can't remember which episodes again. How, so for instance, some of the reasons, or one of the major reasons we have some of the epistles today is because Paul could not 
physically go to those cities. He really wanted to. Like we saw in Thessalonians, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> I've already switched context. In 1 Corinthians, we'll be like, ah, it's PTSD. Are we going back? <laughs> um, 1 Corinthians 16, that there's a, a wide door open, but there are many adversaries. We're going to see here in Thessalonians, he said that more than once I decided to come, but Satan hindered me. We're going to talk about that. And so all of a sudden, the reason we have these epistles is because the apostle was prevented due to persecution from being with if he was there physically he would not have written a letter think about that if we had if he had zoom we maybe if they recorded maybe but we might not have any epistle today and so i personally and i think a lot of uh, theologians will agree that there was a sense of providence and wisdom on god's part that because Paul was physically unable to go to some of these places or spend as much time, he had to write letters. Imagine if he didn't. Imagine if Paul, due to persecution, was not stopped from going to Corinthians at any time. We won't have any letter. And all of a sudden, well, we had we have the Old Testament, thank God, but there might not be much we have. And so it was a good thing that Paul wrote those letters, even though the reason he had to write it was bad. Does that make sense? And so we see God using even negative circumstances to bless generations for years to come. Many of you in your lives, you might be like, ah, God, if you are here, how come? This? And I, I, I love the book of Job for that reason. Job had questions as a oh, God, how come? And God, I've taught, I mean, I've taught him suffering and persecution time and time again. If you, if you want to hear teachings on that, I, I feel theodicy, that's the theology of suffering, is one of the most under-taught. <laughs> I, I can't speak Yoruba, I can't speak English. Only God can help me. One of the most under-taught um, concepts in the church. The church needs good and consistent teachings on how to handle suffering, evil, negative situations so important you look at job after everything when god finally came he didn't give an answer he didn't say ah job you know the reason all of this happened was come 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 my son i'm sorry there was something in heaven and the devil called your name and asked and, don't worry you are past no what was god's answer to job in summary he simply showed him the galaxies showed him how complicated life was showed him how complex creation was and said can you do this job said no he said then trust me that was god's answer there's so much happening that you cannot even begin to think about so many variables god only god knows how a driver that woke up two hours late somewhere today would lead to someone else maybe having an accident god forbid only god knows that like little things i watched a video i can't remember it was just showing the butterfly effect how one thing led to another things just started to like literally one small thing let's say someone got spent two seconds more at the grocery store and it just started to lead to different different things only god can see all those variables and as complex as life is yes and I'm not teaching on that um, right now because I've taught on that multiple times. I might still talk on it because Thessalonians have, has a lot to say about it as well. But God invites us first and foremost, before answers, God invites us to trust him. 
God invites us to trust him. And that was literally all he said to Job. Just trust me. Just trust me. And don't think that, oh, eh, because Job trusted, everything turned around for good. It is possible that everything did not turn. Right? I will get there. Don't worry. But yes, everything turned around for good. It's the same thing with Paul. He said three times. I asked the Lord, "Uh uh-uh. This, this, the pressure is getting worse. Oh Lord, where are you in my suffering? He said three times. Imagine if Paul to pray something three times, how many times do you think you would have had to pray it? Paul that is always praying. He said three times, I brought it to God. And said the third time, what did God tell him? It was wisdom. Same thing like Job. It was just a change of perspective. And he said that what? Now I will boast in my weakness. Because when I'm weak, Christ's strength is revealed. The situation did not change. He did not change. But all of a sudden, Paul left that interaction, that same situation with wisdom. I talked about this for people that are like, okay, so you talk about, listen to my teaching on James 1. Listen to my teaching in Hebrews. I think Hebrews 12. I talked a lot about our perspective towards suffering. Very, very key element in the epistles. Very underemphasized. Very underemphasized. And so, for instance, we see Paul facing all these persecutions and he's having to write letters. He he doesn't know that 2,000 years down the line, some boy <laughs> in the US, oh, God doesn't, oh yeah, go and do it verse by verse. Imagine if he didn't write, what would we be doing? Well, your Saturday mornings would have been free. <laughs> but because of, of would have been doing OTRV. I would still have been learning it because imagine if we didn't have the New Testament. But um, yes, literally, imagine if we did not have the New Testament. Or imagine if we we had like almost all of Paul's letters were non-existent because he didn't need to write them. And so we see even in that situation, God bringing out so much good, so much good. That is the perspective to have that I can trust God. Of course, I again, in those teachings, I expounded on being discerning to know if this is like, you should still pray about it. You should know if it's a work of the devil that should be stopped. All of that. You should still expect um, the hand of God to change the situation. But there's also a wisdom and a trust that even if nothing happens, I can still trust God. But anyways, where did I, how did I get here? Acts 16. We're still in Acts 16. Amen. Um, verse 10. We're like, oh, Paul is going to Macedonia. Ministry in abundance. <laughs> and yes, there was ministry in abundance. He gets to Lydia. He finds, oh, sorry. He gets to uh, Philippi, rather, where we get the letter to the Philippians. Right then and there, a rich woman, a woman in tech, she gets sick. <laughs> The woman in tech gets saved. She houses them. She's like, "You, I would sponsor your work in this city. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow. In the leading of God, there is ease. Glory to God. And then, in the very next verse, it didn't even allow you to get to the next chapter. Verse 16. Acts 16, verse 16. All of a sudden, slave girl started to disturb them. Of course, from the devil. Here are men who would tell you how you should be saved. Paul said, are you okay? Why are you spoiling market? I command you out of her in Jesus' name. And the, the masters were like, ah, business has spoiled. How would we make money? This, this woman, her word of K was sharp. Even if though it was demonic. There's a lot to say about that. But we'll just kindly gloss over. <laughs> um, 
and they ended up in prison. And you're like, ah, it doesn't even seem like it was a couple weeks. They're already in prison. I thought there was a dream that they said, God, come. Um, God is calling you to our city. And just right after, they're already in prison. Awkward. I'm like, ah, no dreams. Maybe I was tired that night. Maybe I, I actually, I, maybe I didn't hear well. Maybe God actually wanted, but the, the wealth in Philippi dry. No, no. The fact that obedience led to suffering does not mean that you should not have obeyed. Because the, 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 the true test of faithfulness to God is in the obedience. It's not in the outcome. It's in the act of obedience. Stop judging um, the will of God based on outcomes of faith. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Your, your posture should be, is this what God, is this what I believe God asked me to do? If so, do it. Don't say, ah, maybe because it didn't work. Maybe I, I miss it. No, 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 no. No. And then in that very prison, we get the from, um, popular song, Paul and Silas, they pray. After praying, they sang. After singing, the Holy Ghost came down from where to where. But uh, <laughs> God opened the gates. God opened the gates. He came down as he did in Acts 2. That's not true. <laughs> he didn't come down. He, God simply showed his power. Um, and people got saved. The, the uh, jailer got saved. You can read about that from Acts 25. But then see what happened. And I love Paul, but I see what happened. The, the, the leaders were like, ah, Paul has escaped. And Paul is like, we're Roman citizens. You didn't even try us. You just put us in jail. And they were scared. Verse 39, Acts 16, 39. They took them out. Sorry, they came and apologized to them. They took them out and asked them to leave the city. So when they had went out of prison, visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and they departed. So city one in the will of God was cut short, technically, at least to the outside, um, to, the, to the natural eye. Paul could only spend a few time there, went in prison, came out. They said, please leave our city. He had to go. From there, we go into Acts 17. So from Philippi, he then went to Thessalonica. I hope it's making sense. And so you're like, okay, first city, God has sent us. Yes, we did a few work, people got saved, but we had to leave. Okay, let's be going. God still sent us, Abby. Let's go. They went to Thessalonica. They get there. Um, and you think, okay, maybe it gets better. If at first you don't succeed, you do what? You try and try again. Hi, Ada. Hi, Rejoice. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Faith. Hi, Goodness. Good to see you guys. We are still in verse 1. Um, <laughs> Acts 17. Um so he went there, there was a synagogue, he taught, he reasoned from the scriptures. I love Acts 17 verse 2 a lot. He says, Paul went as his custom was on the Sabbath day and he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And he said, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And so what was happening is that Paul goes to a synagogue, these are people Jews and maybe Gentile converts who, have, who believe and learn the Old Testament every time they gather, every week. And it's like all these things you are reading, it points to a Christ that is to suffer and die and rise. And Jesus is that Christ. That's literally the summary of the Old Testament. Maybe one of these days we would do like a quick walkthrough 
and see how that's the case probably not in jtt <laughs> but maybe one day um but that's what he was doing but then what do you think happened just like in philippi just like in philippi he starts a work look at verse 4 some of them were persuaded and joined paul and silas Acts 17 verse 4 as did a great many of devout greeks and not a few not a few leading sorry I, i got distracted not a few of the leading women it is but the jews were jealous the jews were jealous they took some wicked men to form a mob setting the city in an uproar they went to the house of jesus and they brought him out they said these are the men who have turned the world upside down. i'm going to talk about that uh as we go on but like like you see it wasn't a good thing they went and say ah they have turned the world right side up no they have turned it upside down yes ultimately it points to a good thing that the influence of the gospel so pervaded that that city and that that area that they're like these men have caused trouble unbelievers are like this people what is wrong with these people even though the accusation was slanderous that these people are troublemakers that's actually what they meant so they've turned the world upside down wherever they go they are causing trouble and unrest we still see that today countries where the bible is banned countries where christian you're like it's just a message that someone died for you how why why are political leaders so bothered it's because of this that these are the men that have turned the world upside down for us in christ it is a positive testimony that the gospel is so countercultural that wherever it takes a hold of it changes the system of that city changes the system of that city amen um and they put them in court and they were there were troubles and sorry there was there was a lot of uproar and a lot of don't let these christians come into our city they've already caused trouble in philippi they've caused trouble in lystra and they are here to thessalonica they want to mess us up and look at that it says the people and the city authorities verse 8 they were disturbed ah, we don't want trouble and i just i like i when i think about those verses i'm like it's very possible that a lot of the rulers their wives had already been saved because like you read in the earlier verses it said what that a few of the prominent the wives of prominent men had already converted so this is very positive like ah, and my wife believes this message oh, let me be careful maybe that's why they didn't arrest them or anything but it said they simply just collected money and they let them go but look at verse 10 look at verse 10 it says the brothers immediately immediately sent paul and silas away by night to berea and when they had arrived there they went into the jewish synagogue so the second time think about that this was it as as divine as divine leading can get first city you do a quick walk yes it was prosperous but it was short because of opposition you have to leave left philippi you went straight away to thessalonica again you see it's a quick walk people are getting saved but all of a sudden trouble starts trouble starts and they had to leave again again can you imagine for many people like uh-uh. It's discouraging. You are leaving believers, new believers, so early because there is constant, and that's why I I, I won't be surprised. Like Paul is like three times, like God, ah, uh-uh. what is going on? A messenger from Satan, a thorn in my flesh. 
take this persecution away. This is the second time we're seeing it in just the space of two chapters. In just the space of two chapters, they had to leave to Berea. And again, I'm not now I'm not going to spend too much time, but I mean, you know the Berean story. It says the Jews there were more noble. They received the word of God with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them believed. I mean, Acts 17 verse 12, but look at verse 13. When the Jews from Thessalonica, this same, this, when they, why did they send you? This is the real, did they send you? Because you are, you are leaving your own city. You are hearing that Paul is doing work. In a, it's not your city again, no. You have chased him out of your city. But he said, ah, he's doing work. There. Let's go there and chase. Ah, ah. You are indeed, you are motivated by the devil. There's no, there's no other way to reason around it. But look at that. It says the Jews from Thessalonica, they heard that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul in Berea. And they came to agitating and staring up the crowds. The same thing. It says then the brothers, third time, the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. And that's when Paul went into Athens. And we have the amazing Acts 17 speech. But you see three times in the leading of God, from Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea. As they start, the devil shows his head. Paul has to leave. Quickly, actually, he goes to Thessalonica, the same thing. He gets up, he leaves. He goes to be at the same thing. He gets up, he leaves. So on one hand, we see that yes, there was divine leading. And glory to God. In that short space of time, we see that many people got saved. Thank God for that. But also, in that short space of time, we also see demonic activity trying to hinder the program. And it's the same thing today. The devil has been hard at work since the beginning to stop the spread of the gospel. So, as believers, we need to be stronger than we already are. When you are faced with, and I'm not even just talking about personal opposition, like, oh, I want to get a new job where there's difficulty. Yes, that's some level. But I even mean in the prevalence of the gospel. When you see constantly a culture and a society and people that try to make sure that the message of Christianity is slandered. I mean, we see it in our country, in the US. When I say our country, I'm, I'm American. <laughs> we see it in the US all the time. And I'm sure for many people listening in, um, to, in the podcast, all across right you see it in your countries as well like oh these christians are hypocrites oh these christians are they are bigoted oh these christians are what they are narrow-minded oh these christians don't believe in science oh these christians are this oh everywhere you go every like you said in the uk is there there's there's always or there's there there's always a group of people or a system that constantly tries to make the message of the gospel look like trouble it did not start today it did not start today it did not start today and so in a world where they're like oh um all these christians just let's get rid do you know how many people have come to a point where they're like all these christians they are especially fanatical they'll say fanatical we just society will be better off without them it's the same thing it's the same thing the devil has constantly used people to sow discord and hatred was the message of christ my point is do not let it discourage you no matter how anti-christ 
your society is. As long as you can still do the work and you, you're not having to flee from your life, when stay there and fight. In the face of, 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 the, of the enemy, stay and do the Lord's work. And do the Lord's work. And do the Lord's work. Because what we see is that while the devil is working hard, God was working even harder to save many. In Philippines, many believe this was Philippi became a church that wherever Paul went to, remember the Corinthians, they sent they sent help. Even this church in first in first Thessalonians 2, verse 9, we're going to see Paul saying that he was working, but he also received help from the church in Philippi. Because remember, he went from Philippi to Thessalonica, right? And so they helped him to go, they supplied his travel expenses, they probably took care of him. Lydia will probably have been a very good example. So, mommy Anne of God's bank can be a sponsor. To someone say, ah, I want the word of God. Even if you're not in my, I want the word of God to prevail. <laughs> and you can, just like Lydia, you can say, take Paul, go and do God's work. Go and do God's work. Right? We see that. We see that. We see that. And so we see people getting saved. Yes, the devil will raise up his head. Paul will have to leave. But nonetheless, the work of God. We see God constantly working good, regardless of all the devil tried. Not only that, the devil thought he succeeded. Ah, I've chased Paul out of Thessalonica. Eh, no, not at all. As we're going to find out in this letter, the church thrived. Not only that, we now have first Thessalonians. Think about that. On two accounts, God shamed the devil. He gave, he gave a gift to the body of Christ for generations to come. And the church there, the people there, they, they stood firm. So the devil lost. Yes, it might look like, ah, Paul, um, I had to live so fast. Oh, I wish I could have spent more time. But the devil ultimately lost. And that's the perspective you should have that devil, you are a loser. You do all you want. Do all you want. But God has prevailed. Who are already more than conquerors. Amen. Amen. So that was the story. That was what happened. Literally, Paul had to leave so early leave the work he hadn't spent i mean well if you allow paul paul will spend two years discipling you every day <laughs> if you just get say paul my six to eight is free and you say eh, that's good say is it once a week so no every day say oh wow that is it's not enough but i will take it <laughs> paul will teach you every day but paul could not do that here maybe these people just knew the basics maybe they just knew the gospel he hadn't he hadn't spent time going through a lot of things and we're going to see the resurrection was one of those topics he hadn't spent time and he was concerned with the work look at first thessalonians 2 verse 18 first thessalonians 2 verse 18 it says therefore we wanted to come to you or let me start from verse 17 this is literally the context but we, brethren, haven't been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. I love that. It says, bodily I left, but my heart stayed with you. If you're in a long-distance relationship, write this down. Write that down. <laughs> it said, I endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. It has turned to love letter. <laughs> it says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again but what but satan hindered us but satan hindered us but satan hindered us i will talk a lot about that 
Is it? It's good. <laughs> As in, ah, imagine Paul wrote love letter. The same guy that wrote First Corinthians 13. The same guy, ah, he would, ah, uh, see, I don't have any lines. I'm sorry. I'm rusty. <laughs> um, where am I? Yes. So, uh, where am I? Yes, exactly. Paul was concerned. Paul was concerned with the work. And he's like, I really want to come. I really want to come. I really want to come. But he couldn't, right? And like I said, there are times, look at, imagine Paul seeing Satan in that Apostle, Satan is, if Satan is into you, sir, what will he do to us? Boys, no, that's not the point. We're going to talk about it when I get to that verse. Again, I would keep reminding because it's very important. A lot of people don't know how to think about these things. Like, how can Satan end up? Where is God? <laughs> God is there. God is there. God is there. And in his wisdom, yes, he was prevented. Yes, he was prevented, but a lot of good came out of it. Anyways, uh, where am I? Yes. So, yeah, I wrote in my that God in his wisdom and providence can allow things like persecution linger, but be sure we can trust him. So, what pretty much then happened was, Paul is like, I really want to see how these people are doing. Hi, Thomas Maconjola. I don't know if you're still here. Um, I think I saw you coming. But anyways, Paul is like, I, I want to know how these people are doing. This long distance thing is not doing me. I, I want to be there. But he couldn't come. And so what he did was he sent Timothy. He said, please, just go and see how these people are doing. Are they are they growing? Are they still Do they still believe the gospel? What is going on? I can't come, but you can. Timothy, please go and find out. And then Timothy gets back to Paul and is like, Paul, these people are not just still saved. They are thriving in the face of persecution. They are doing so well that yes, they are suffering. Yes, the 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 um the, the pressure is getting worse. But they are strong. They love the Lord. They are doing well. Look at First First Thessalonians three verse six. It says, "But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and brought us good news, news of your faith and your love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also want to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, yes, they are chasing me from city to city, but I was greatly comforted." That's First Thessalonians. He sends Timothy, go and find out how they are doing. Timothy is like, oh, they are doing well and even better. And Paul is like, thank God. My work here was not in vain. My work here was not in vain. And so he was happy and he wrote First Thessalonians. That's what we have with us today. Of course, they also had questions about the resurrection. That, oh, in the face of persecution, some of us have died. But Paul, you said Jesus is coming soon. Remember, these are baby Christians. Think about that. That literally, many of these people are just a few weeks old or a few months old at best. And they are, so there's a lot that they still are like, ah, you know that vibe when you first go to me, like, why do I need to go to school? Jesus is coming soon. I don't want to work. I will not struggle for a 4.0 CGPA. Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> and then your disciple or your pastor to tell you, calm down, calm. Just calm down. Just, don't, don't get, don't, don't be too excited. Please, you have work to do on the earth. That's kind of what was happening. Like, ah, we're saying, Jesus is coming. Hey! And then all of a sudden, people start dying. 
in the face of a Christian brother start to die like, ah, I don't think Paul has taught us up to this point. What is going to happen to these guys that have died? And so Paul answers that question. But in all of this, what First Thessalonians shows you just even before we start any verse is how important discipleship is. How important it is. It's not enough to say, Lord Jesus, I who knows the uh, altar call speech? Right now, right here, I give you my life. <laughs> I thank you for dying for me. I promise never to cheat again. Amen. So what? what? Heaven is rejoicing. Whoa. And heaven, heaven is rejoicing. <laughs> Glory, everyone is happy. Yes. But that's just the coming to my heart. Lord, I open my heart to you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the speeches. But that's just the starting point. In Matthew 28, he didn't say make converts. He said, make disciples of all nations. The word there, Matthew 2, is someone that is, you are a disciple through teaching. It says, teaching them all things, to do all things, whatsoever I've commanded you. Teaching them. And so faith in the gospel is literally the starting point. Christianity is discipleship. Christianity is, there are things to be taught. There are things to learn. I mean, just like we see in this letter, things about the resurrection, teachings about persecution, teachings, there are things to be taught. And that's why Paul is worried because he's like, yes, I have made converts, but am I sure I've made disciples? Think about that. Paul didn't just say, hey, 10,000 saved. And then he said, God is calling me to Berea. Bye, guys. See you later. No. There is following up. There is consistent teaching. Lifelong discipleship. That is Christianity. That is Christianity. So whether it's you getting someone saved, whether it's in your own work, don't just be satisfied with, oh, I believe the gospel. I'm fine. Of course, if you attend a good church, that's not the case. Christianity is you are submitting yourself to the teachings of Jesus till the day you die. That is Christianity. You are submitting yourself to the teachings of Jesus till the day you die. And that is what it means to be a Christian. You are a disciple of Christ. A disciple of Christ. It's, it's unfortunate we have many people that have probably genuinely at some point or the other said yes to the gospel. But because of lack of discipleship, their life does not look anything like it. It should not be. It should not be. That is why we do JTT. That is why the church exists. It's to make sure that as a believer, you are consistently being taught who Jesus is, what he has done, you are as a result, and how you should respond. That is Christianity. And that is what Paul is worried about. That, oh wow, I didn't have as much time. I didn't have as much time. I didn't have as much time. Amen. That is First Thessalonians. That is First Thessalonians. And so what we see in Thessalonians is, like, like I said, a need for discipleship. We see how God works in the face of persecution. I mean, think about these guys, right? For many of them, especially the early church, and today it might not be the same. And maybe that's why, like I taught in the teachings on persecution, we feel disconnected sometimes when we read some of these instructions. Because it's funny how today we there are teachings such as come to Jesus and he will bless you. He will just change your life. He will give you all you have been looking for. <laughs> I don't know where we found it. But it's ironic 
that when the early church, that when the first Christians were, 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 were saved, for them, it was literally, come to Jesus and you will suffer. Like, they were not hiding it. <laughs> if you believe our message, people will chase you. <laughs> Imagine, that's your sales. If you believe our message, you, they might kill you. They might actually kill you. You will probably lose land. You will probably lose family. Think about that. Literally the opposite message. is come to Jesus and you will suffer. <laughs> but, but, it was, it will be worth it. It would be worth it. Why? Because what you would receive in Christ will be way worth more than what you might. It's not compulsory. Like, it's not like everyone necessarily has to. And we don't see it today. But what you would receive in Christ is way more valuable than what you have given up. That was the message. And so even in today's world where maybe people might not lose things materially, they might not come into persecution, that should not be your selling point. It was never a selling point to start with. The selling point of the gospel was that you would find a true life in Christ. What you would find in Christ would be way worth more than whatever you think you were looking forward to on this earth. That was the message. So whether it's for a persecuted generation, whether it's for a comfortable generation or an or a persecuted audience or a comfortable audience, the message of the gospel is the same. To those who are persecuted, come to Jesus. Yes, you would suffer. But all you would lose by your decision to follow Christ will be nothing compared to all you would gain. God will give you true life. True life. For the, for the comfortable generation, Yes, you are doing well. Yes, you have finances. Yes, everything. But come, nonetheless, come to Jesus. Why? Just like the person, he will give you true life. The message of the gospel must apply to both audiences. If it cannot apply to any audience, check it. To, sorry, to every audience, check it. You've probably twisted the message. If what you, what you tell people, you can't tell the Thessalonian church, be careful. Be careful. If you are there, come to church, it will change your life. All of a sudden. I, 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 I don't know. I was this. God did. God, God, uh, that could not apply to the Lord. These people got saved. All of a sudden, they are dragging them to, to, to the security officials. They are putting them in prison. They are taking their land. They are killing their, their husbands. They are, uh, <laughs> what is in this gospel cell? But it is worth it. That was the message. And so whether you are rich, whether you are Bill Gates, I will tell you, come to the gospel because all you have will be nothing compared to all you get in Christ. Whether you are a suffering man or a man that if you believe the gospel, you will be killed. I say, come to Jesus. Why? Because all the pain is worth more in Christ. That's, that's the universality of the gospel message. Amen. Amen. And yes, I'm not saying God's desire is not that there's peace and prosperity. I'm saying that in the wickedness of men, in the activity of the devil and the providence of God, coming or following Christ would sometimes or many times mean some level of suffering. But see things God's way. That there is, like Angel put in the chat, our present sufferings are nothing compared to the glory, to the glory that awaits. Final thing before we get started. So, because of how early this was, this was literally one of Paul's earlier 
cities he visited. Tell me, why are you laughing? He said, oh, because I said before you get started. <laughs> welcome. If this is your first time to JTT, you are welcome. You are, you are very welcome. This is a standard practice. <laughs> because of how early this was, First Thessalonians is arguably one of the first books of the New Testament, before any of the Gospels, I think alongside James, because remember James was killed a lot much earlier in Acts, James and Galatians, right? This was either this James or Galatians was probably the very first book of very first epistle of the New Testament that was written. Think about that. That's, that's just cool fun fact. <laughs> yes, we're glad to have you. <laughs> Uh, but just a fun fact, literally, I think it's, people argue it was written probably somewhere around AD 50, literally 20 years after Jesus died, so soon, that's beautiful, that when, just 20 years after Jesus died, we have this kind of letter, it shows how beautiful Christianity and how fast growing it was, amen, so with all of that, like I said, these are all the things you should know before you start verse 1, you don't just God, speak to me. That's that. No, it helps. Now that you have all these pieces of information, you can start to feel Paul's heart. You can start to understand the struggles. You can say, oh, this is why Paul would teach on the resurrection. This is why he would do this. This is why he would do that. Amen. Are we ready to start? Does everything make sense? Any questions? <laughs> now we are, we're starting verse 1. Verse 1, we're starting. We're starting verse 1. And I thought we'll finish verse 1, chapter 1 today, but... Uh, Alas, I wanted to say time that me. God forbid, it was not to be. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, First Thessalonians chapter one, verse one. I am always touching. I am always just touching. <laughs> but God is, God is, God is on the throne. He is the one that knows when we start and when we finish. Explain. <laughs> Shall I hear that me? <laughs> all right. Let me please let me drink water and then we start. All right, verse one. I'm reading from the NKJV as usual. Let's start. Paul, Silvanus, which is Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus. Um, by now, if you've stuck around long enough, I don't have to say much on this verse. This is a classic Paul opener. All right. First of all, he names the three people that was that were involved in the ministry to the Thessalonians. Remember, like we read in Acts 17, right? Paul and Silas and Timothy was also there. By the way, he's probably the one that uh oh no, he was one that visited and took the report back to Paul. And he says to the church, the assembly, the church is a people. He's not writing to 705. Uh, Akami Square or Shitu Boulevard. <laughs> no, he's writing to the people of God, the people that have believed the gospel in Thessalonica. And I look, I love how he says, "You are a church in God and in Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God and from Jesus." Right? He he reminds them of their identity right from the start. You are a people. Remember the word church, ecclesia. It's literally an assembly, a gathering of people. And it's like, it's not just, it, it literally means to call out. So you are called out in God. It's not just a random, ah, 
uh, brunch on Sunday. Who's down, guys? And all of them could say, ah, the church. No, 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 no. He reminds them that their identity is rooted. Because when you say they are called out, it means that there is something common to all those people that separate them from the rest. Right? And he says, how are you called out? You are called out in God and in his son, Jesus. Your identity, your assembly, every one of you that this letter applies to, it is because you are in the Father and in the Son. And because you are in the Father and in the Son, he says what? Grace and peace. Like I said last week again, what is grace? The influence of God in the heart. Grace is is a divine enablement by the Spirit to walk in the will of God. Peace is peace um, rightful relationship with God and so as pertaining to your eternal destination there is peace but also peace even here on earth right it says because you are in God there is grace and there is peace if you are in if you evaluate your life and you're like ah, I don't feel like there's grace <laughs> or I don't feel peace no that you have to check it if you are in God there should be grace and there should be peace there should be peace it doesn't matter if the if interest rates are at an all-time high. It doesn't matter if stocks are going down every day. It doesn't matter if there's war. Every time you turn on the news, there is peace from God. There is peace from God. There is peace from God. All right, let's start. Verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you. Just like the Ephesians, just like the Philippians, always giving thanks. And that just gives you an, an, an insight into Paul's life. It's like every time Paul starts to praise, like, God, I thank you for the people in Philippi. I thank you for Lydia. I thank you for her generosity. I thank you for the people of Thessalonica. I thank you for that the gospel, they received the gospel. Lord, I thank you for the people of Berea. Lord, I thank you for the people of Philippi. That's Paul's devotion. So many churches. So many, I thank you that the gospel prevailed here. God, I thank you that these people, I thank you for Jason. I thank you for this. I thank you for Aristarchus. I thank you for Archippus. I, that's, that's Paul's life. He's, he goes into his devotion and he's making thanks. And we should be no, no, um, no different. God, I thank you for this person. God, I thank you that the gospel, um, for, for your work in the gospel through in the U.S. God, I see what you are doing. I'm grateful. God, I thank you for what you're doing in Nigeria. God, I thank you for what you're doing in, okay, we have Pakistan list, Pakistani list in Pakistan. I thank you what you're doing in, in Taiwan. I, th I thank you. You are, you are seeing how God is, is moving, how God is active and you thank him. And he says, making mention of you in our prayers, right? Remembering without season your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. Quick Bible study or observational question. What three words in this verse are very, very common as well as very, very important? You put it in the chat. Don't worry, it's not a trick question. Just read through the verse. I've already said it's three. So what, what, what are the three things that pop out? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Just like first, uh, first Corinthians 13, these three, faith, hope, and love, these three abide. But the greatest of these is love. 
it's the same thing here that is literally the three pillars on which christianity stands it says faith i see your work of faith your work of faith most likely would refer to their conversion right because faith has a work remember when uh, in john 6 john 6 28 to 29 people like god what should we do that we may work the works of god and jesus answered and said to them john 6 28 29 this is the work of god that you believe in him whom he has sent so when he says the work of faith when he says i remember your work of faith meaning how you applied yourself to the gospel you believed you believed and of course the life of faith that follows right that 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 response to the message right not only that he says i remember your labor of love so in christianity we see the pillar of faith we placed faith in a message our entire christian life is rooted in faith in the gospel faith in the gospel remember first corinthians 15 unless you have believed in vain if christ be not resurrected the second was their labor of love their labor of love and that's the beautiful thing about christianity that ultimately while yes there's a message to believe there is all these things to respond to it is motivated by love you see in epistle after epistle i've heard of your faith in christ jesus and your love for all the saints that i know for a fact that you have believed this message because of the labor of love that follows after and so as believers in addition to our work of faith we are motivated by love it's not just a life where oh devotion i have to pray i have to read my bible just because i believe no 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 it's not just ah i have to preach the gospel I, I, these are all the things these are the things that my faith requires no there is a motivation that we have there is a motivation that we have love propels me to devotion love propels me to sacrifice love propels me to service and to ministry love keeps me in the faith of in the face rather of persecution not just faith but love as well that in the gospel beyond the message that is true i see a person that loves me and that i love in return that is christianity that is christianity that is christianity that is christianity that love is our biggest motivation not just ah, i don't want to go to hell not just ah they say we should no 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 but love and we see that in the life of the thessalonians that even in the face of persecution they were people of love finally the third thing which is futuristic is what hope so the work of faith i see that and i'm grateful the labor of love i see that and i'm grateful finally the patience of hope the patience of hope that yes in your faith and in your love what is the object jesus what is that hope that he will return not might he will return and i will be with him for all eternity but there's a patience there's a patience there's a patience i love how the niv phrases this verse it says we continually remember before our god and father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our lord jesus in the sight of our god and father so the work of faith is in christ 
The labor of love is in Christ. The patience of hope. That assurance that yes, it is worth it because my king is coming. That patience, that endurance. It's, these are the three pillars on which Christianity stands. Every teaching, every message, every encouragement you get, it would rest on faith in Christ, love for Christ, and hope for the coming of Christ. Amen. And then he goes on, he says, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. This verse you can read and say, ah, God chose them all. <laughs> he didn't choose those Jews that were causing trouble. He chose these ones. I've taught on election. If you want to, if you want to remember my teachings on election, look at Ephesians 1. So journey through Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, 4, and 1 Peter. I don't know if I finished 1 Peter. I'm not sure. Bookie, have I finished 1 Peter? But, anyways, 1 Peter 1, verse 2. I talked about election. Now, what did I say in election? Let's first read Ephesians 1, verse 4. Ephesians 1, verse 4. Um, from verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him, He, our election is in Christ. God chose a people in Christ. I might do a short job, but please listen to Ephesians 1. I beg you. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 4, even if it's just that part, maybe it was 10, 15 minutes, I don't know, just listen to that. Um, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's the first verse. The second verse, 1 Peter 1 verse 2. 1 Peter 1 verse 2, what does it say? Let me start from verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect how? according to the foreknowledge of God. Thank you, Buki. We finished first, Peter. So yes, you can listen to the, I mean, this is literally verse 2, so it's not, it's not much in. According to the foreknowledge of God, you have been chosen. Meaning that God chose you from before. It's not when you, from before. But what does that choosing look like? Is it that God chose you and say, you, 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 you don't have choice. Buki, I like your legwork. You will come to Christ. If I like your smile, you will come to Christ. Faith, you are a vibe. I choose you. And then like, ah, goodness. I don't know. I don't know. But I choose you still. You can dance. <laughs> you are friends to Daniel. Blah, blah, blah. You are a good friend to Daniel. I will, I will. For that reason, I will just choose you. <laughs> That's not what God was doing from the beginning of time. If I, ah, ah, I like your hair. I really like it. You will, you are part of my family. All those ones that are that they don't have. I don't. Well, maybe God chose you based on other criteria. If you don't have hair, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's not what God is doing. That's not what God is doing. Like we see in First Peter, elect according to foreknowledge. We see in Ephesians one, chosen in Christ. And I explained the what I said verbatim. I said election is the criteria through which God's people would be recognized if they ever ask you what is the definition of election it is the criteria through which god's people will be recognized it's kind of like and i the example i gave last time every first class student right first class for nigerians that's 4.5 to 5 will shake the chancellor and so even before you enrolled as a student there was an election of first class students to shake the chancellor it was the criteria through which they will be recognized. It's not that individually God was picking them. 
All right? It was the criteria. What is the criteria to shaking the chancellor? <laughs> Mookie, why are you dragging me? <laughs> I would finish it. Um, it's, it's not that... Well, I can't remember. Yes. The criteria for those is that just make it first class. Just make it first class. That is election. And so in, this, in, in salvation, God chose that that would be through Jesus. What is the criteria to be chosen? Have faith in the gospel. So anyone who believes the gospel is an elect chosen in Christ to be a child of God. What did I define predestination as? Predestination is all that God has planned for those who would be in Christ, his elect. I'll say that again. Election is the criteria through which God's people will be recognized. Predestination refers to what God has planned for the people who meet that criteria. I hope that makes sense. And so going back to my example, election is first class. Predestination is you will shake the chancellor. Amen. Election is not uh, looking at someone and saying, I like this one. Come to, no, 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 no. That's not the nature of our father. And so the same thing, when he says knowing your election by God, he's saying that God chose you in Christ. You know that in Christ you have been chosen. You know that in Christ you have been chosen. I would start to round up because <laughs> I'm looking at the time. The time is looking at me. But let's see how we can go. It says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Let me pick your minds a bit. And I mean, the fact that I'm asking makes it an expo already. But what does the word coming in word and power, what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? I've answered it before. So that's why I'm just teasing. What do you think it means? And what do you think I think it means? <laughs> Maybe I should ask that. Talk about please go ahead. Um, I'm assuming it means that, so, I mean, they came in the word, so pretty much the actual gospel itself, nothing embellished, the actual word. And then in power, uh, pretty much there was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. So there was like uh, miracles, signs, wonders. That's my interpretation. Okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Who else wants to take a job huh no one <laughs> no one if they're going to look for my go to first corinthians 2 verse 4 tell me <laughs> goodness if you know it <laughs> go to first corinthians 2 verse 4 yeah, that's serious. I, I, I spent quite some time on this. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4. What did I say the demonstration of the Spirit and power referred to? And why? This is a revision. Because <laughs> I've taught this before. That's the reason I'm, I'm, I am uh, dwelling on this. Souls being saved, conviction. Yes, yes. Go on. Any other try? Um, the power um, demonstrated in the gospel, like the death and crucifixion of Christ. 
Okay, okay. So, yes, I think we're, we're, we're getting exactly, we're getting there now. When Paul said, my words were not in mere preaching, but in the demonstration of of a spirit and in power. Remember in chapter 1, I, I talked to you about what the power of the gospel was. Exactly. The power of the gospel was seen in, in um, if you remember 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24, to those who are, he said the Jews seek a sign. They seek like miraculous stuff. The Greeks seek wisdom. And 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24, Jesus is the power and the wisdom of God. So in fact, in context, power was like, it's not sign. It is in the resurrection we see the power. It's not in splitting the Red Sea. It is in Christ. So when he said, my my message was not just in persuasive words. I wasn't trying to appeal to the Greeks. I wasn't trying to, to say some new philosophical idea like Plato or like Aristotle. It says, but it was in the demonstration of the spirit and in power meaning when i preached the gospel to you the power of god and the work of god's spirit was revealed it's not necessarily of course it doesn't exclude the fact that yes people got healed and all of that but in context the power of god in the preaching of the gospel refers to jesus and god revealed through the death burial and resurrection of christ and that's why it says in verse 5 that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, in not in, in a philosophy, in not in, oh, this is how a healthy society works, but in the power of God. The power of God there does not mean your faith to rest in, ah, I saw this guy got healed. So that's the power of God. Therefore, I'm saved. No, the power of God was seen what God has done through the death, burial, and resurrection. Does that make sense? Thumbs up if that makes sense. We're going back to First Thessalonians. And you can listen to, that's why I said you would need to listen to these things again. So in 1 Thessalonians, and the clue to show you what he means, he said it again. It wasn't in word only. He's not saying I didn't just preach the gospel. When he says he wasn't in word only, he's referring to what he said in 1 Corinthians. It was not just empty speaking. It was not just a lecture. It was not just a seminar. It was a message that contained or revealed the power of God. Yes, people got healed, but that's not necessarily what he means when he said the message came to you in power. It's very important in context. And that's why you'd see he keeps saying and, and, and everything he says and for has to do with salvation. So he says it was not just in word, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, in assurance. Do you see that? So in it, it, it revealed God's power to save that, oh, wow, God is real. Jesus is amazing. The power of God is seen. It revealed the Holy Spirit. As I got in, I got saved with the Holy Spirit. I got filled, rather, or I received, rather, the Holy Spirit. And then in assurance that indeed what I have believed, there is assurance that there is a seal there. It's all about salvation. It wasn't just mere empty words. The power of God was revealed in the gospel. The Spirit of God was revealed in the gospel and the assurance of salvation was revealed in the gospel. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yes, when the gospel is preached, there is also supernatural power to heal, to save, I'm sorry, not save, to to cast out demons and all of that. But in context, Paul is referring to, I'm not just speaking mere words. What I'm telling you is literally the power of God revealed. 
It's the power of God revealed. Amen. I'm glad it makes sense. Um, and he says, not only that, but you also know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So even in our behavior, you saw the gospel. You saw the gospel. So what he's talking about is there was a message. He came with convicting power, came with the indwelling of the spirit and came with assurance. It's all about the salvific work in Christ. And our behavior, our conduct amongst you only served to buttress that message. Final verse for today because of time. It says, and you became followers of us and of the Lord. I like that. Let me just read the whole verse. Having received the word in much affliction. I won't talk much about that because now it's the same thing I said when it said, this one is come to Jesus and you will suffer. It says you received the word in, in much affliction, yet with joy. I like that. In affliction with joy. That's true salvation. That's true salvation. That's true salvation. Yes, exactly. God will bless you because I didn't even think I, I forgot about that. That the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first. And that's literally what it means when he says power. Thank you so much for that extra verse. I didn't even think. I was just reading in context. I forgot about corroboration with Romans. Thank you very much. Um, thank you very much. That's that's spot. And I believe that's uh Romans 1 uh, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's not mere words, it is the power of God to save. That's, when he, that's what he means when he said he came to you in power. There was salvific power made available. Amen. Thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. Oshie, gold star. <laughs> um, but going back, it says, you received it in affliction with joy. And that's what I told you, right? Yes, the external circumstances, were weird, but there is a joy that comes from true salvation that in the face of suffering, and as believers, it doesn't just stop when we got saved. In your life, there might be times where you might be in much affliction. But that joy, that joy should always be there. That regardless of what I face, regardless of what I see, I'm full of joy. It's not, you're not gassing yourself up. It's not mind prep. It is the truth of the gospel. Because I have the spirit of God, I am bigger than this world. I've overcome the world. Amen. I know, I know, I have all over. <laughs> Anyways, it says, you became followers of us and of the Lord. I like that. You followed us, right? And that's what Christianity is. It's a call to follow. It's a call to follow men or women. <laughs> or say, ah, this misogynist. Uh, to follow men and women as they follow Christ. You don't say, ah, I'm following Jesus. I only follow Jesus. Keep quiet. Who got received? Was it not a man or a woman or a person? Who got you discipled? <laughs> I only follow Jesus. Jesus is the only one I look to. You are proud and you are ignorant. That's why you, the very fact that you don't follow man is the reason you should follow man because you don't know what you're saying. <laughs> God gave people. Remember Ephesians 4. He said he gave gifts to the body. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, it says for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, till we all come to the knowledge of the, of, of the stature of Christ. It says that we will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and every, every cunning craft but speaking the truth in love, we will grow unto maturity. He gave, he gave people to help you grow. And that's why Paul, for instance, will say, imitate me. First Corinthians 11 verse 1. 
follow me as far as I follow Christ. He gives examples. Yes, they are not Christ. Yes, they are not all all um all there is. But God has given us examples. It's not just even in spiritual leaders. The reason we have a body is so that even in days I'm weak, I can look to let's say Unye and I'm like, "Wow, I, I admire her devotion and it strengthens me." And all of a sudden her life becomes an example to me. Yes, I could have read it in the scriptures that Jesus stood firm even in times literally when he was about to die. But God has also provided physical references all around me in the body that in days I'm like, oh no, I can say, oh wow, <laughs> I do be admiring. Wow, okay, that's spot on, spot on. We thank God. I can see that, oh wow, Ugo is still going strong. Ugo went through something similar and she scaled through. I will keep going. It's an example. That's why you see in verse 7, it says that, so that you became examples by following me. As I followed Christ, you too, you are now examples that other people watch and emulate. And so we're all just following ourselves. Yes, we are sheep. You say you be oh, sheep mentality, head mentality. That's your business. That is what God has called. We are just following each other. We are just, we are just following. <laughs> say, ah, I see this one doing, doing right. Let's just go with him. He knows what he's doing. And that one is following Christ. That's that's it. You look at the, the, the Thessalonians, um, Thessalonians, they will look at Paul and they will see his conduct. They will see his devotion. They will see his zeal. They will see his love for God. And they followed. They followed. That is Christianity. It is a call to follow. To follow men and women as they follow Christ. Amen. We'll pause here for today. First Thessalonians 1 verse 6. We didn't finish this one. But we finished part one. Glory to God. All right. I hope everything we've talked about today makes sense. Any questions? I hope it's clear. We're about to round up. <laughs> Any questions? Thank you, Richard. I appreciate that. All right. It doesn't look like there are any questions. Cool. Um, we have people that are here with us for the first time. If this is your first time, you can wave. I would say hi. <laughs> um, good to have you guys here. I appreciate that. Um, we meet every Saturday. Uh, what time? 9 a.m. CST, 10 a.m. EST. What other time is there? 3 p.m uh west african time i believe uh hi amara hi hi richard hi uh ugo it's good to see you guys good to see you guys um 7 a.m pst sorry i'm i'm biased um i don't think about people behind me i only see ahead wow <laughs> msd i don't know what that is i don't i can't see behind i don't Say looking on to looking on. I forget the things that are behind. What are you doing? Yeah, your two has been why? Hippie time. All right. So, as our custom is, like I said, uh, feel free to, if you want to um, um, re listen, you can listen to the podcast, you can share, uh, leave a review, leave a rating so that more people can get this. And if you know anyone that needs Bible study help, there are many people. Goodness, your time zone is not here. Don't even, don't start. Goodness is 13 hours ahead of me. I don't know what kind of time that is. Uh, if you know anyone that needs this, um, so I think yeah, it's 11 p.m. for you. You already, your day has finished. Shame. <laughs> um, um, share with them. All right, let's take our benediction. Prepare to us by Buki and Ayo, and then we call it a day. All right, uh, unmute yourselves. Let's read together one, 
to go. I am a diligent student of the word. I am a teacher of the word. The word is for my growth. By the word, by the word, and in the word, my spirit Awesome. Thank you guys. Have a great week, weekend. I will see you next week. Same time, same Zoom link. Uh, Bye.